Hello humans of triathlon and welcome to the hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with triathletes from all around the globe and from all walks of life I'm Swapnil Chauhan here with my co-host Charles Hunk and Radmom Robin along with an amazing guest Right, welcome guys to another spectacular episode of Humans of Triathlon. Today, we bring you a story of transformation from a once upon a time a self-conscious child with low self-esteem who found herself just like the character of Neo in the movie The Matrix where she faced Morpheus and she chose the red pill, the triathlon pill, to find out how deep the rabbit hole goes. And 15 years later, She's a single mother of two, a veteran in the sport, with a respectable number of half and full distance races, plus a plethora of shorter distance races. With 37, our, our guest aims at Kona before her 40th birthday. Other than for being healthy and fit, she wants to be a role model to her two children and a source of inspiration for all women with a clear message Yes, you can. So today, live from the land of superheroes, such as Chris Hemsworth and Hugh Jackman, the land of more human heroes, such as Mel Gibson and Russell Crowe, the land of eccentric female singers, such as Kylie Minogue and Iggy Azalea, the land of exotic animals, just koalas and kangaroos, the land of brunch, good coffee, the land down under, in excess, ACDC, and the land with the biggest stereotype, where everyone apparently is a blonde surf instructor with a great tan and a big smile. From Queensland, Australia, please welcome the one and only Anna Matthews. Hi, Anna. <laughs> hey, God. hey there. Thank you very much. That, that introduction was out there, so I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> I, I am blonde and I do have a tan. <laughs> of course. And I live right near the beautiful Malulabar Beach in Queensland. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, uh, you're actually our first female guest from Australia, so that's cool. Oh, fantastic. That's exciting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So how, how are you feeling, Anna? I'm feeling pretty good. I've been up and running this morning, so um, yeah, I'm rushing around, <laughs> rushing around getting ready for work and in for a quick chat before I go. Oh, wow. Nice, <laughs> nice. It's a pleasure to have you in this sort of a very premium spot then. Yes. So... <laughs> What we normally try to do to start uh, get uh, kicked off is a little bit uh, to sort of know where you come from, uh, a little bit of your background, and we tend to go, uh, let's say, like years back, no? And if you want, mm -hmm. you can just transport us into back into the eighties, know, your childhood, to sort of understand where you come from, who you were, what you were doing. Just give yeah. us a little sort of summary. Yeah, I'd be happy to take you back. So. Um... I grew up in country Tasmania, um, have a couple of – I'm the eldest of two siblings. My family was very sporting. 
Um, I played a lot of different sports, basketball, netball, athletics, running. Um, I was always fit and healthy, bike riding. Um, you know, everything I did was active, which is pretty crazy considering Tasmania is quite cold and we have about nine months of winter throughout the year. Um, my family were all very good at sport. Um, I was more of a quiet child who sat back I still played a lot of sport a lot of team sports um, I was just one of the team I always knew that I had the potential to do more but I just wasn't ready to come out of my shell um, I went to a country school um, I was um, because I was so quiet I guess um, I was bullied a fair bit growing up as a child which kind of added to my insecurity and anxiety that I already had obviously been born with and had and it was later on when I went to university that I started to, I guess, um, dabble more in, uh, in my running um, and I became, I guess, a, a very good runner. Um, That's my strength. And then later on, I guess, I turned to the sport of triathlon where I really found my home. Hmm. So what, what brought you to triathlon? Like what was, um, what was the transition from running to adding in that swimming and biking yeah I guess I wanted more I was I was running um at a fairly high level I was doing the the cross-country series the um the carnival series is the stall gift the bendigo all of those um in Australia they're, they're quite big um running races I wasn't ever going to quite make it to the Olympics with my running um and I thought I need something more I need more of a challenge and um I um but did you ever like have that goal to go to the Olympics I, I never really had that goal. I never really thought I was good enough. I was up there, but I knew I, I, I just had this feeling I wasn't quite good enough. And um, and the opportunity came along for me to do a development program with the Tasmanian Institute of Sport in cycling. And um, I decided, why not? Let's try out for this. I didn't really think that I'd get in. Um, I, I ended up successfully getting into that program, um, getting the sponsorship, getting um, you know having access to some amazing coaches, learning how to cycle both track and road, um, you know, having free membership for a couple of years and really, you know, getting all the fundamentals of cycling and that's where I met some other triathletes and I, and I picked their brain and I talked to them about triathlon and I, I still hadn't really, you know, got in swimming at this stage and I thought this is something I really want to do, like I really want to get into the sport of triathlon. So was your first race there in Tasmania or was it in Australia? Yeah, my first race was in Tasmania. So um, they used to have um, some ITU races in Hobart and Devonport. Um, and I decided that, yes, that I would train up for this triathlon. And I got in the pool and I was um, only about 20. And I started training in the pool. Um, and some older swimmers approached me from a master's squad. I say older now, but I'm probably the age they were now. They were probably in their 40s. <laughs> um, and I thought, okay, um, and they invited me along and they said, look, we've seen you training here. You're training alone. You look like you're training really hard. Can we give you some guidance? And I thought, fantastic. So I went into this master's squad at 20 um, and they really helped me, um, you know, with my swimming. And then I I did my first triathlon Um I guess I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of floundered through the swim, although I'd improved considerably from someone who could only swim 100 metres. And I kind of floundered through. I got on the bike and I, I just went as hard as I could, like um, no technique, just, you know, picking up what I knew. And then I got on the run and I, and I ran 37 minutes for 10K and passed 
pretty much the entire field. Wait, and did you say 37 up, minutes? Yeah, yeah. Because I was a runner. I was a runner. And ended oh, up, yeah, up yeah. you know, <laughs> passing everything. Really, yeah. So, ended up winning my age group um, in this triathlon basically because I could run. <laughs> and, and bike. <laughs> That's awesome. So I thought, wow, wow, this sport is great. I love this sport of triathlon. Like that was me. I was hooked, hook, line, and sinker. So how different was like biking in the, it was it, you said it was an ITU triathlon, right? So there was pack riding. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it was an ITU um, triathlon. So it, it was it was a draft, draft legal. Um, I wasn't obviously in age group, so it wasn't draft legal for me. I was in the 20 to 24 age group. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I just have to point out one thing. Uh, Robin, when he said, do you have your first race in Tasmania or Australia? That's pretty typical of, you know, taking Tasmania out of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I meant landmass wise. Yeah. Not not uh not political geo geopolitical wise, but landmass wise. From, Sorry. Clarification. From a child who grew up in Tasmania, you certainly don't feel like you're part of Australia. You're kind of um, you know, it's an entity on its own. <laughs> so what was like you've done a number of sports like you said, in your childhood, but you still had this anxiety and self-esteem issues. Yeah. So how did triathlon, how was triathlon different and how did that help you overcome that and other sports didn't really? Yeah, I guess um, the thing with triathlon is you race, um, you know, in this big field of people and you have athletes of all abilities. You're racing against the, the professionals are out there doing exactly the same course, exactly what you're doing. You've got your people that are fast, your people that are slower, your people that are doing it for, like, different goals and you just kind of blend into this field. And, and I, I found with triathlon you, you don't feel that pressure. It's not a race that lasts for two minutes or, you know, um, you know, you just you don't have the same pressure that you do in other sports because you don't stand out in the field. You know, you can look at people in a triathlon and you actually have no idea who's in what age group, who's coming where. And um, I guess for me, I found that um, comforting, and I didn't feel like um, you know everybody's looking at me. I can just um, I can just enjoy this sport and and focus on myself and what I'm doing and enjoy what I'm doing. So, so I'm curious, just like, you know, because you have done so many sports, like how do you feel just internally in a triathlon, what gives you that same kind of oomph that you get in a team sport? Like what carries you along mentally when you're racing? Yeah, I think um, for me, I think I'm more actually suited to individual sports. I don't think I ever felt like I fit into a team kind of sporting environment. So um, obviously as I grew up I found running and my passion was running I love running because it was just me running and I didn't you know nobody's relying on you you're not relying on everyone else and you're really just um doing it for yourself because it feels good and you enjoy it so I think triathlon for me is very similar to that um you know I'm a pretty busy mom with um two small children and um I work full-time so I do a lot of my training on my own um I can get up at three and four in the morning and I can jump in on the treadmill or on the bike in my garage and I can and get my training done before my children even wake up. So I find that, um, you know, really, really great for me in time management. It's also really inspiring because I can empower myself to get up and, and do my training on my own and I'm not relying on other people to get me through that, um, I guess. Really yeah, well, that was the thing that struck me reading your your um, bio on Humans at Triathlon. It's just like, wow, you got young kids, you know, you got a lot of cute pictures of them. You're a single mom, you're working, and then you have this goal of like, you know, 
Ironman qualifying for Kona. I mean, that is a huge time hit. You've done 11 Ironmans or something like that. I mean, really, like how, like, do you have some kind of time twisting device that allows you to, <laughs> to get all this in? Because it just seems like crazy. Yeah, I wish that I did. Hey, um, there's never enough hours in a day. Um, I guess that I'm fortunate that um, if you've been a lifetime athlete, that um, eventually you retain a certain level of fitness. So I certainly have a certain level of natural fitness than most people. I'm fortunate I've been a runner my whole life. So, you know, um, I did a half marathon couple of weekends ago and I had actually had a little injury over the winter and I hadn't run for a month and I'd been doing a lot of yoga and things in the gym and I thought that's okay it's the winter I'm just going to have a bit of a break and um, then I thought yep I'm still going to go and do this half marathon and I'm able to just turn up and run a 140 for a half marathon without any training so I'm really lucky I guess that I do have a base and I'm naturally quite fit and I have been doing the sport and other sports like my entire life so I really am very lucky there. Um, and I guess it's just a balancing act. I try and balance my time. I do get up really early in the morning and try and train before my kids go to school. But if I can sneak in my lunch break to a pool or for a run, I definitely I definitely do that. And um, certainly, like, my kids go to bed fairly early. They're, they're five and eight, um, so they're in bed by 7.30 at night. So I do have um, a few hours up my sleeve in the evening to train as well. Hmm. And you mentioned uh, before... Also, that uh, over the, down there in in, in uh, Australia and Tasmania, just to be specific, <laughs> um, <laughs> you have like nine months of winter, right? So I'm just thinking, like we just had a, a chat with a with a guest from Canada, and he was telling exactly where he lived, and I looked it up looked it up in the map, and he looked like terrifyingly in the north. So I was like, wow, he, I mean, he was really like struggled to to train in the winter. So I'm guessing like how cold does it get down there and how dark, how do you do? Yeah. So when I was, when I was a child, it was pretty cold. So, I mean, you've got, you spend half of the time like zero degrees or 10 degrees or 15 degrees. Um, so it was fairly cold. That's why I played a lot of, I guess, indoor team sports like netball and basketball as a child growing up in Tasmania. I'm really lucky now because I live in Queensland yeah. on the Sunshine Coast where I get to have nine months of summer oh, three months of, of winter. And, and our winter in Queensland is now, um, you know, I wouldn't call it winter compared to Tasmanian or European winter. Um, so, yeah, I live in um, the most perfect place in the world for triathlon training. So is that like around Cairns or something? Um, it's lower than a bit lower than Cairns. Um, so okay, so between. Brisbane. Okay, so, so somewhere between Brisbane and Cairns, you can say. There you go. All right. Yeah. Charles is actually coming for the Australian Ironman next year, right, Charles? Yeah. Yeah. Port Mac. Yeah. Fantastic. That's exciting, Charles. I'll be. I've already entered for the Australian Ironman for next May, so that would be my twelfth Ironman. And um, I am actually planning on, if I don't qualify for Kona, that Ironman, I'm planning on um, putting in for my legacy spot to Kona. Sweet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about your racing. Like you do a lot of it, like <laughs> 11 Ironmans, 30 half Ironmans, and then there's the Olympic distance, there's the running, there's all that. So why so much racing? Um, I guess I've been racing for like for 14 years now, nearly 15 years. So um, that's spread out over that time. Um, my, my first Ironman I did, I'd been about a year into the 
sport and um, it was back when it was actually the last Ironman in Australia that you had to qualify to do an Ironman. And I'd actually chosen to do a half and, um, you know, I'd done the Olympic and, and won the Olympic and I was really excited and um, there was a half coming up and I, someone said, why don't you do the half and you're pretty good at long distance. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get a coach and I'm going to do the half. I'm going to do the 70.3. So I got a coach and I trained up for the 70.3 and um, I managed to, again, win my age group at the 70.3. And when I went up to um, get my award, I ended up getting handed this um, entry to the Ironman. And back in those days, you had to qualify for the Ironman. And I was like, I don't even know what an Ironman is. And I look at my coach and he's like, it's double the distance. It's like the pinnacle. Like, I'm like, really? Um, do you think I can do it? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I just take this entry. I'm like, okay, then I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Like, how often in life do you get some gift handed to you as an opportunity? And I thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to take it and do it. I guess I had a bit of a thirst for adventure. So what was that like? Uh, take us through your first first Ironman and, and maybe your last one and just what have you kind of learned along the way? I mean, yeah. 10 of them between the two is has got to be like a lot of different lessons. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. So I've had <laughs> lots of different experiences. My first my first Ironman, obviously, um, you know, you're trading on that fear factor. Like you're excited, but it's the unknown. So you're, you're on this journey and you're hoping that you can get yourself to a level where you're going to get across that finish line and you just you, you don't really know and you and um, I guess um, being a bit of an anxious person like lacking a bit of confidence of course there was that extra fear that maybe I'm not good enough to do this and I can't do this so um, that was always in the back of my mind um, and I guess it was just um, you know getting a coach and trusting in the coach and trusting in the process and doing the training and um, and I guess I did I just did exactly what my coach told me and um, you know I got to the the Ironman Port Macquarie and um, it was I think the first year the Ironman had been in Port Macquarie had just moved up from Foster and um, yeah and I got there and I um, you know it was all buzzing and it was exciting and you know there was all these um, experienced athletes talking about their races and I was like wow like I was amazed I was in awe and I thought oh, I would love to be like that one day with all this experience and history and you know you you never think you're ever going to get there and I guess I eventually did but um yeah it was it was exciting and um you know I remember that swim for the first time was absolutely terrifying um it was well before the rolling starts when everyone was in there together and the gun went off and off the went. and now at Australian Ironman we do have the rolling start um so yeah it was it was terrifying but um you know exciting at the same time and, and I got through it and um you know I listened to my body I listened to my coach I really focused on my nutrition I got through the bike and onto the run, which is obviously my favourite leg. And, um, you know, when I was on the run, I had moments where I wanted to burst into tears with happiness and excitement or, you know, times where I thought, gee, you know, I'm really starting to feel that fatigue and I'm hurting, but um, just going through and, um, you know, I had a pretty good training program, race plan. And um, I remember crossing the line for my first Ironman. I did 12 hours um, and one minute. And, and I was ecstatic. I was absolutely ecstatic. And um, I remember thinking, you know, about an hour before that, you know, I'm not going to do another one of these. This is it. And then um, obviously I crossed that finish line <laughs> and um, I, was, I was automatically planning the next one. <laughs> so nothing like that feeling. I should call that Iron Man amnesia. Like yeah. <laughs> you cross the finish line, then you forget how much it all hurts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That That's certainly right. So um, I went on to race. Um, You know, I started racing Ironman every year. A couple of years I raced twice. Um, I did Boston Ironman, the Australian Ironman, I did Cairns Ironman. Um, you know, my times are coming down. Um, 
you know, I did my best time of um, 10.38 at Ironman Western Australia and um, it put me about eighth in my age group and I thought, okay, you know, I'm getting competitive, I, you know, if I can get fast and I can drop some time, you know, you know, maybe I have an opportunity to um, qualify for Kona and I was still quite young. And um, I guess I thought, uh, you know, what's my best opportunity? And I decided to enter the um, Ironman China, which was that year in an island called Haiku, I believe, in the Hannanan Islands, a um, little place called Haiku. And, you know, it was pretty exciting going over there. I think it was about my sixth Ironman and um, there were six girls in my age group. And I thought, right, <laughs> you know, you, you, need to, you need to have a great race. You're the fittest you've ever been and, um you know, if you can cross that finish line first, you know, you've got that ticket to Kona. So, um, you know, I certainly set out with really high hopes. You know, unfortunately, things in Ironman never unfold as we expected. And I think I probably had the um, toughest race of my entire life. And it certainly was something that I reflect on all the time. And it has certainly made me a stronger person. Um, I remember we had, um, there was a big typhoon the day before the race. And um, the it ended up being really rough in the swim the next day, um, so rough that they actually changed the swim course on the day of the race so that we actually swam from down the river, turned at 90 degrees, hopped out and had to run 400 metres back up to then do the second lap. Oh. And I remember standing standing at the start line and I was so nervous about this swim and the fact that the current was so strong and what was going to happen. And um, I was standing next to a guy from Bondi um, in Australia and Bondi is in Sydney. And um, he said to me, you know, swimmer, are you? And I'm like, no. He's like, you look pretty nervous. Let me give you some advice. When you get to that that bottom turn, boy, you just turn 360 on yourself and you swim as hard as you can. That will bring you out 90 degrees to the shoreline. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. So so off I go and I listened to his advice and fair enough, it um, brought me exactly out where I needed to be and up onto the bank to run back. And I'm still thankful to this day because I remember there were boats traveling down to pick up all of the athletes that were just getting um, pushed further and further downstream and they were actually missing that turn, boy. So I was really, really lucky in the swim. I remember getting out of the swim and it was it was over 40 degrees and it was really hot and um, getting on my bike and, and it was just, you know, extreme heat and it was a different heat than I'm used to in Australia. I'm not sure if you've been over to China, but um, certainly it was a heat that I'd never experienced before. And... Um, I think I got through the first lap of the bike, okay, it was a three-lap bike, got onto the second lap and I got a flat tyre and I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay cool and calm, you know, it's only a flat tyre. So I'm changing my tyre you know, back on the road and I get about two kilometres up the road and I get another flat tyre. <laughs> I thought, oh, no, what have I done? Like I've only got one more spare, so I'm not sure what happened there. And I went to change my tire. I thought, I'm not going to lose it. I mean, one more flat tire, you fix it properly, you check everything to make sure you've not got some, anything in your wheel and you'll be fine. Um, so anyway, I changed my tire. I go to pump it up and I snap the valve on my tire, oh. on my tube. So I've got I've got a broken valve, a CO2 canister that I can't actually inflate my tire with. And um, I see some marshals up the road on a corner and I, I kind of walk up to them and I'm, um, they're Chinese. And I'm trying to say to them, and I don't speak Chinese, I don't speak any other language than English, uh, and I'm trying to talk to them and say, you know, I've, I need I need some help, I need a bike mechanic, I need something. And, and they're like nodding and grinning and, and I'm not really sure if, you know, we're communicating or what's going on. So I sit on the side of the road and I think, okay, someone's going to go past soon, you're not going to lose it, you're going to stay calm, you've trained so hard for this race, you know, you're, you're experienced triathletes, you're six triathlon. So I drink water, I eat a banana, you know, I 
trying to stay positive and about half an hour later um, no one's there, no one's there. And um, I start to get a bit panicked and then all of a sudden this van comes past and it's got some marshals in it and they jump out and they come over and um, they're, they're asking if I want to get in and I'm like, no, I don't want to get in. I, I need a tyre. I need a new tube. I've broken my tube and I can't change it. I've got a flat. And um, and they're like, oh, no, 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 you change it, you change it. And I'm like, no, I need – and they and there was, there was just no – and they didn't understand what I was talking about and – I'm like okay, and then end up driving off, and I and I just I remember bursting into tears on the side of the road, and I'm feeling deflated, and I'm thinking, oh my god, my race is over, and like no one's understanding me, I can't communicate. And then, um, and then this guy in the crowd runs across the road to me, and he he's a young Chinese, and he says, "I have a bike, can I help you? What's happening?" And I said, "My flat tire, my tire's flat. I haven't got anything to change my tire with." And he goes, "Ah, I have tire." We swapped tires. I'm like, okay, wow. we swapped tires. So um, he takes my zip wheel, my 404 zip wheel, and he gives me his, like, normal road, you know, Syrian road wheel tire. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, and I'm like, and I'm telling him, this is my number. This is my number. You take it to the transition. This is my number. You take it to the transition. He's like, yes, yes. I'm like, okay, well, and I'm thinking, okay, there's travel insurance if my tires and turn up tomorrow. So let's not worry about that. Now I've got this wheel on my bike and I'm not going to let go. So I finally, after about 45 minutes, head back out on the course. And, um, you know, it, it's really hot by this time. And um, I get right out on the back of the course and the, and the aid stations have run out of water. I've run out of water. Um, it's really, really hot. And um, I remember just thinking, oh, my God, like I don't know if I'm going to get finished this race. But anyway, I got off that bike and um, I got onto the run. And, and I'm not sure um, anyone remembers that year at Ironman China, but it was about 2000, 2008, maybe 2009, and um, about 45% of the field ended up pulling out that day. It was a really tough day. I remember that Chris McCormick actually raced the 70.3 and he um, said it was one of the toughest, brutal races that he's experienced and he didn't even do the Ironman. Um, a friend of mine from Australia, Charlotte Paul, actually won the women's and she was the fastest marathon of the day, beating the pro men. And um, Rasmus Hemming won the pro men and he was um, – I remember seeing him running and he was just sideways. He was just delirious with heat. Um, so it was a really, really tough day. And um, my run, it just didn't go to plan. My whole race had fallen apart. So I just remember, um, you know, crawling and and getting stuck in portaloos and um vomiting and somehow I made it across the finish line and it was like 15 hours and 50 minutes it was, it was the worst I'm in time I've ever done but um I certainly but you made it I did I made it Actually. you did it wow <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly I remember that story for the rest of my life it was I couldn't imagine ever having to do that again <laughs> And look, I came um, to pick up my bike the next day and my zip wheel was back on my bike. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, I'm forever thankful and grateful for that gentleman. <laughs> no kidding. What a great uh, what a great story. Well, you definitely got a good story out of it. <laughs> I certainly did. So um, I guess that, that to me like just reminds me of like the Ironman journey and, um, you know, you have all these challenges and adversities and things that you face and, and you overcome them. Um, that really talks about my Ironman experience and how I grew as a person through my Ironman journey and, you know, and now, you know, a strong, independent person. And um, I think Ironman has really helped shape it, who I am today. So forever grateful. So how did that transition into other areas of your life? Yeah, certainly. I think, um, you know, for me, it, it has transitioned into every area of my life. So, um, you know, I, I was 
I was actually over at the Ironman China that year with um, my fiance and we ended up getting married and we've been together a long time and, and um, he's the father to my children and um, we ended up moving and living in a mining town in central Queensland and, um, you know, eventually things didn't go too well and we ended up splitting up and I moved back to the Sunshine Coast on my own with the children and that was about four and a half years ago now. So um, certainly I guess, um, you know, through triathlon, you know, I had the strength to, to I guess, make choices about my life that were the best thing for me and um, actually be able to believe in myself that I was making the right choices. Yeah, I was going to ask how, like, you, you did talk about anxiety several times and, like, do you still feel that in races? Because you're such an experienced athlete now um, and, and you know, really a, a good athlete kind of at the top of your game. Do you still get anxiety in races? And if so, like, how do you deal with that? And what advice would you give to somebody else who's who's kind of dealing with the same thing? Yeah, certainly. So, um, look, I do, but I do have my anxiety under control. Um, and I do, I guess, have techniques that I use, like breathing and 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 positive thinking, to overcome it. I was I was talking to someone the other day who's um around my age. She's a mum, and um, you know couple of kids married is on the coast and she actually raced the 70.3 here which was on a couple of weeks ago I'm in Mooloolaba and um she was saying that it was really choppy in the ocean and she was born in Sweden and um you know she's only been in triathlon a few years and she'd never had experienced the choppy ocean or swam in it before and anytime the ocean's like that she chooses not to go out for some and um obviously race day you don't get to use the conditions and um she said that she got out to that first point and boy, and she was hyperventilating, and she, you know, um, found someone with a ski boat and rested on it for a while, and she was freaking out, and you know, she really struggled to t- talk to herself um, and get herself through. And I, I remember having a similar experience in one of my first triathlons, where I actually went on one of those um, paddlers out in the ocean and just had to get myself together just because, you know, you get um, that fear and that anxiety overwhelms you and your heart rate goes up and then you really, especially in the water with your wetsuit and people swimming all around you, you find it really, you know, hard to breathe and, um, you know, that's where it can be, I guess, at its most extreme. And, um, you know, I was saying to her, it does get easier and you have to, you know, if you keep putting yourself out there into that, that situation and and in those conditions that scare you you're you will eventually you know be able to deal with it because um you'll be used to it and you can talk yourself through it and uh, you know in a swim these days I certainly feel anxious especially at the start um and I certainly I try and count and I try and talk myself down and I and I really do start triathlons quite slowly I like to start the swim slowly and I like to go off and actually get myself together and it does take me a few hundred meters before I feel like okay now I can actually start the race. <laughs> so I guess easing into the race for me is really important and it helps me really keep my anxiety at bay. And um, I think most of us find that once you're halfway through the swim or you're out of the swim, for us non-swimmers, you know, you're, you're actually over all of that and you're just into the race. Hmm. Are, are you one of those swimmers that actually you're, you know, like, you like to sort of get comfortable and get into one side and avoid the washing machine or do you go into the washing machine? Uh, look, I wouldn't say I avoid it anymore. There was probably a time when I would go around longer to avoid it. Um, but now, look, um, you know, we're lucky in Australia with the Ironmans of rolling start, so you can actually seed yourself um, with people that you think are about the same pace as you, um, and that tends to work fairly well because you're, you know, you're not right in the middle of that washing machine and you have a bit of space. 
Um, and the same thing in my age group. Um, you know, I've raced, I've raced in Australia for a long time and I do know a lot of the girls that I race with. So I'm able to look around and see where they are and um, kind of see myself where I think, you know, I never jump in the front pack. I always try and stay in that second pack until I'm feeling better and then I might try and bridge the gap. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm lucky I'm able to do that. I kind of know the people around me and um, I can work, you know, with my own strengths and weaknesses there. Mm-hmm. Another thing you're really passionate about is, you know, getting more women involved in the sport, right? So why is that so important to you? Yeah, look, I certainly am. Um, you know, I, I'm i an exercise physiologist and I've, I've worked in gyms and I work in um, occupational health, and I guess, um, you know, as I've grown up and as I've overcome anxiety myself and as I've become more empowered, like um, I guess I have this grand kind of standpoint that women can do anything they want to. That I always say to my daughter, I always whisper in her ear, you know, um, you know, you can do anything your brother can do but better. I'm sure he probably wouldn't like that, but um, I don't tell him that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm all for like empowering um, I guess, you know, and, and nothing against men because certainly men can achieve great things too, but I'm just all for empowering women to say, you know, Anything you want to do, you can do. You can have a family, you can have a career, you can be an athlete. You know, you don't have to just limit yourself to one thing. Um, so, yeah, I have had a lot of friends over the years that have said to me, you are my inspiration. You're the reason why I went and did this or um, and asked me for advice and, like, I'm certainly always happy to, to give advice. And, um, you know, it's really great to see now that there's many women in the sport of triathlon. When I first started 15 years ago, um, there wasn't many women and you would go to a race and, and, you know, it was the minority. But now, you know, the numbers at some triathlons are almost 50. So that's fantastic to see. Yeah, yeah I actually found, I, I, I'm, we're kind of doing some sorting through old boxes. I found some old race results and this would have been from the 80s. And I was astounded that it was like basically one to six women to men. Yeah, wow. Which I think if you go to a race today, you know, it's it's pretty close to 50-50 most races. So I had just forgotten, like, how few women were in the sport. Yeah, definitely. And and I remember, um, I think my first Ironman, there was about 1,500 men and 250 women. I think Ironman is still the place where the men outnumber the women by a fair bit. Yeah, definitely. But most of the other distances are, are closer to 50-50. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe that's just because like a lot of women, well, in our age are, are, you know, in this kind of middle of age are really occupied with kids a lot in working and trying to raise kids. And, and it seems like it's just a little bit more of the burden falls, uh, you know, of motherhood and of course, pregnancy and all that. Yeah. So I think there's maybe just a little bit of natural barrier to women getting into it at a certain point. Yeah, and I definitely agree. Um, I find, though, you know, those women that are in sport, you know, um, they're, you know, for me, I'm able to function better at my work and as a mother because I have that little bit of me time and I get to do something um, for myself. And also I'm able to inspire my children to actually, um, you know, get into sport. And um, for me it's important that my children are active and they learn about lifelong fitness and they don't necessarily become triathletes. But, um, you know, they they are empowered to um, swim and bike and run and, and they're lifelong sports that you can do your entire life. So, um, you know, for me that's really important. And my son actually, he is just turning eight tomorrow and um, last year he did five triathlons um, and because he wanted to, not because mum wanted him to. He was like, every time there was a race, he was like, is there a race for kids too? And if there was, then I took him along. So, 
that was really great to see. Um, my daughter actually did her first 2K fun run a few weeks ago um, and she has just turned five, so um, she was four. So four years old and 2K fun run. I was pretty <laughs> impressed. And she did run holding my hand the entire time. I asked her a few times if she would like me to let go and she said, no, mommy. So I thought, okay, no problem. I'm happy. Oh, <laughs> well, that's cute. <laughs> so are they old enough yet to really understand, like, how dang tough their mom is? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure, but um, they do talk a lot about um how fit their mum is and fitter than other people's mums and <laughs> things like that. But my my son started to tell me um he started little athletics this year and he he's trying to tell me that um I think I could beat you in a running race now, mum. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> you're not quite there yet, buddy. But I'm with you <laughs> someday, but not for a few decades, maybe. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> so you're next. What what's the next what races do you have coming up? Yeah, so um I just had a break over the winter. Um yeah, I'm I'm quite lucky that um my children's dad moved back to Sunshine Coast about a year ago and he actually has them every second weekend for a couple of days. So that's really nice. And um over the winter he was over in Europe. He actually he hadn't done a triathlon for about seven years and he, he got himself back and racing and he went over and did Roth. Um, which is pretty amazing, um, something that's definitely on my bucket list. So I decided that over the winter I'd have a bit of a break um, from triathlon. It's quite a cold winter here this year and um, I really focused on just going to yoga and um, the gym and um, you know doing my normal running because running I always is my fallback stance, being a runner. And um, I've actually just got back into my training over the last couple of weeks. So um, my next race is called the Harvey Bay 100. So that's – um further up north towards Cairns, um, beautiful little um, town of Harvey Bay on the seaside, um, most amazing, like, um, swim, beautiful blue waters, um, 2K swim, 80 bike, and an 18K run. So they call it the 100 because it's 100 kilometres. Um, and um, that's one of my favourite races on the calendar, just getting back into the triathlon season. So it's about 10 weeks away. So I've been back training two weeks and, I'm, and I, you know, I'm really excited. Um, as I said, I went for a 15K run this morning and um yeah, feeling nice and fresh and ready to go for that. And um, that will, for me, be my base um, and a training race leading into my preparation for um, the Ironman Australia in May. Hmm. That's cool. I, I keep forgetting you guys are on the flip of seasons from us here in the Northern Hemisphere. We certainly are. We're kind of winding down and, and you're you're gearing up. We are. So, um, you know, it was the first of September the other day, the first day of spring and, um, you know, beautiful time of year i'm certainly in a few months we'll be up in you know for up to the high 30s 40 degrees and it's quite hot here in the summer but um i certainly love the summer weather and it's great great um few months to train over the christmas etc so right. i think I'm, I'm still surprised you know that australia is a country where even though it is in the southern hemisphere you can still have major international races like for example the ironman cairns which is in june She's supposed mm-hmm. to be the middle of the northern hemisphere uh, season, but but it's actually down there, you know. And and the port, the even the Australia Ironman Port Macquarie is also in May. Yeah, so May um May actually is an autumn here, and um like it's quite it's a cooler race May. It actually works out quite well. Um, and same with Cairns. Um, you know, um, a lot of states of Australia it's quite cold in June, but um up in Cairns it's still quite warm. You're getting average temperatures. Of- temperatures of 25 26 degrees so um you really wouldn't want to be racing up in cairns at any other time of the year it'd be far too hot exactly but you have that that sort of range you know i guess in the the size of the country that allows you to have that sort of 
maybe you can stretch you know the season further and further no? and so you don't feel you you rarely almost feel out of season yeah in a way. I, I certainly think that athletes do i know um a lot of athletes these days they have they just have a full calendar season and um there's certainly races you know every month of the year if you wanted to do them um i've always been a big believer of having a few months off um usually after the ironman i usually take two to three months off um that's my downtime spend more time like doing things with the kids and also um you know just um i guess enjoying some cross training and other other sports and exercise activities as well so are you doing anything special this year as you're as you're preparing to try and get that Kona slot is there. What's your what's your magic secret, or what what are you concentrating on to try and get that little extra bit? Yeah, look, um, for me, it's a real balancing act between children and work, and um, and I'm certainly like nutrition. I think is definitely the key. You know, when I was younger and in my twenties, I was, you know, my nutrition was always spot on, and um, as I got older and I became a mom, I'm a little bit more flexible um with my eating, and I certainly, you know, before the Ironman, always make sure that I, I'm I'm lean and um in shape, but um, I think this. Year I'll be paying you know extra effort to my nutrition and also um you know I've been this winter really focusing on my yoga and my functional exercises and, and Pilates and um I think you know I'd definitely be maintaining that um being an exercise physiologist I I've done a lot of that over the years but um I think you know as I've gotten older I've really realised that um you know there's more niggles there in the body now I don't recover the same I'm certainly not as flexible so I'll be really making sure that I have a real focus in my program um you know instead of dropping some of those things as it gets closer to competition I'll be keeping them in and just making sure that I'm really looking after myself and actually balancing out the training and um, I guess I've learned that um you know less is sometimes more and um as you get older it's really just doing those um key sessions um rather than those junk miles and um and for me it's it's not about um a lot of quantity but it's more about quality so um, I'll be focusing on that all right well we'll definitely be following along to to see see where it takes you yeah, yeah, fantastic. I'm really excited about this year. And um, look, my kids are at a great age. And I think that, yeah, it's, um, I'm really looking forward to um, just coming back and seeing if I can have a faster race this year. Um, last year, I uh, I was really concentrating on making the um, the Olympic Distance World Championships. And um, I just put all of my efforts in trying to go faster. And I, I thought, you know, I'm going to get through and I'm going to do these qualifiers and get into this team and then I'll I'll do the Ironman Cairns, which was um, 10 weeks later. Um, unfortunately, you know, I really trained hard for these Olympic distance races and um, I just missed out again the team. I was first reserve for my age group, so I was a bit disappointed there. And then um, I went to enter the um, Ironman Cairns and it was sold out. Oh. And um, my, coach said, my coach said to me, well, um, you're going to have to enter Ironman Australia. And obviously, um, you know, for a legacy spot, you, you need to race threes in a row. And I didn't want to, you know, um, miss a year. So, um, and, I, and Ironman Australia was four weeks away. And he said, you're going to have to enter and try, try and race it. And I said, but I can't enter and race it because I haven't done any long miles. And he said, he said to me, you know, you can. You've been training hard for these Olympic distance races. You've got this huge base from all your years of training. You know, you swim eight kilometers a week. You're still running, you know, 100 kilometers a week. And you're still riding up 200 kilometers a week. You can do the Ironman. So I, I entered and, um, you know, I certainly had a couple of heavy weeks of training and then obviously I had to kind of start um, tapering down because the Ironman was approaching and I wanted to be fresh. So, um, yeah, I went into the Ironman this year, yeah, on barely any training and um, I certainly took it a lot easier in the swim 
for up to about three minutes. Um, my bike was where I really, um, you know, had to take conservatively and I, I did about an hour slower than I would normally do. But I still managed to then run like a 420 marathon off the bike. So, um, you know, um, it, was, it was good for me. I still did it. Like my time wasn't as fast as I'd normally do, but, um, you know, it was nothing nothing wrong with my time I still went under 13 hours so um you know I guess this year I'm looking forward to having that proper build into the Ironman and really being able to see where I go all right um so as we sort of wrap things up here just a final few questions so what's the message you would want people listening to this take away from your story um yeah I uh, for me um you know triathlon is is about um you know really um enjoying the sport and proving to yourself that you can do anything if you just try um you know I have this big motto can can do you know that it's about staying positive being grateful and um I think you know I can do this sport whereas a lot of people can't a lot of people don't have the opportunity or um you know they're in wheelchairs or they're they're unable to do it for some reason and certainly like my focus is always on what you can do and, and if you can why not so I guess the takeaway message is if you have a dream or you have a an idea or an inclination, you know, don't sit back and think about it. Just get out there and start doing it and, um, you know, really surprise yourself in what you can do. Um, believing in yourself is certainly very powerful and, um, you know, overcoming any doubts and self-doubts, a huge thing in life and, um, you know, it really does empower you throughout all aspects of your life. So, you know, get out there and have a go. And are there any people or brands you'd like to give a shout out to? Yeah, I have to give a special shout out today to my my good friend um, Sarah, who was in a car accident six weeks ago, and um, she broke a couple of vertebrae in her back. And um, she's a you know in her early thirties and one a great Australian um, female athlete, and um, certainly at the top of her age group. And you know she's um, just had some rods put in her spine, and she's got further surgeries to come, and um, she probably won't be back on the bike for a good year and then back running for 18 months. So I just want to give a shout-out to her, um, take every day that's, that comes, and, um, you know, we're all grateful that she's still here. And, um, you know, I know that she'll be back into the spoiler triathlon when she can and, um, you know, just hang in there, kiddo. Um, we're all very proud of her. So big shout-out to you, Sarah. And where can we find you online? Yeah, so um, you can follow me on Instagram at Anna Trichik and, um, you know, I'm on there regularly. I'm currently not writing any of my blog posts. Um, I haven't, just haven't had the time, so maybe I'll start that up as it gets closer to the Ironman. <laughs> Great. And last question, why do you try? I try because I can. I try for people who can't and um, I try to inspire others. Well, definitely an inspiration. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really feeling like a slacker now. <laughs> after this interview <laughs> no you, you, just awesome awesome work i can't wait to see where it takes you thanks robin thank you anna for taking the time to come on yeah thank you very much for having me today it's been a pleasure anna and i will see you next year at port mac i look forward to it <laughs> yeah we, we we expect a good uh humans of triathlon selfie there guys definitely <laughs> the two of you Oh, yeah. Definitely. That, that's definitely on the cards. <laughs> All right. Of course. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you guys too. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show and love the hot podcast, we'd love for you to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Your review helps us out a lot and would be very much appreciated. Thank you all again for being a part of this community and be sure to join us again next week for another episode where we will bring you another amazing guest and story. Until then, my friends, keep trying.